0: You guys even the the classes have finals or finishing up finals. And so I want to be respectful for what you guys have tonight. But at the same time, you know, I, will, I appreciate you guys taking the sacrifice and coming to Chi Alpha and spending some time with God in spite of what else has to go on um, in order for you to get good grades. But this is that time of year where students begin to cut things. So this is a point in time where either your grades aren't as good as they should be. Or this is the time of year where um, your classes just kinda start piling up. I know some of you business majors, this is actually the time of year where things calm down for you. But for a lot of people, especially those of you guys that get ready to start up wrestling, um, practices are gonna start, things get busy. This is the time of year where this, for all students just pretty much unanimously, this time of the year just gets busy. And so before we start tonight, I wanna make a couple things and I, and I just wanna stress this just because I think it's important and I want to just remind you guys of a couple of of uh, simple truths to sorry a simple truths to just kind of encourage you through this season. The first thing is I want to stress is ironically that you should be careful as college students, you should be all of us should be careful of this, to not confuse stress with being busy. Because You can be stressed about a final for an entire week and only spend two hours studying for it, but in your mind, you're going to feel like you spent all week studying for it. We can confuse stress with busyness very easily. And I know that when you're going through midterms, you're going through finals, it's a stressful time, but be careful to not confuse stress with busyness because they are two totally different things. Because you can spend eight hours a day stressing and it's not going to help you one bit. But it's going to feel like you were actually doing something because your mind was thinking about it but not in a beneficial way if you stress about work it kind of feels the same so after you guys graduate and you go into the workplace you can stress about going to work all weekend to the point where it doesn't feel like you had a break i tend to do that sometimes with chi alpha there's because of of the fact that like we don't have a set nine to five five day a week kind of schedule days can bleed into days and it starts to feel like i'm thinking about work 24 7 very easily and so it doesn't feel like i get a break sometimes and a lot of times what's going on is the stress of the job stress of what is going on makes me feel like i was working but in reality i only worked a few hours on a a random saturday but it feels like i got a full work day in so again be careful not to confuse stress with busyness the second thing i want to start us off with tonight is Be careful to not cut out the things that give you energy in life to be replaced with things that take energy in life. And what I mean by that is things like Chi Alpha, I would hope, are things that should give you energy in life. They feed into your life. They feed into your your spirit. They give you truths. They help you to uh, navigate the walk that is college. Don't cut things like Chi Cut things like time with God, spending time in prayer. Don't cut those things to replace them with things like another club function or another class or another job. Because what happens is if you cut God out of your schedule, it's going to take a lot more time away than it will benefit you. Because time dedicated to God will not ever return void. And so what happens is you think that you're getting an hour by cutting your time with God in the morning, but in reality it ends up taking an hour away from you because the way that the rest of your day goes just ends up going way worse. And you end up losing that time that you cut spending with God. And I don't want to stress it as like a Chi Alpha thing. I'm talking spiritually. Don't cut the things uh, that give you energy to replace them with things that take energy. And now there are a lot of things that you might think give you energy, but really in this life, the, the one thing that we can be assured of that gives us energy is God and a relationship with God. And so be careful to, to cultivate the things that give you energy. So cultivate that relationship with God and you'll find that the amount of time you spend studying can be reduced. The amount of time that you know, work just seems to fly by. Those kinds of things start to make ends meet a little bit better. But those are just some couple truths They don't have absolutely anything to do with the service because how is that awkward, but whatever. So some of you guys know that uh, I use the phrase embrace the awkward probably more often than I should. Um, It's one of my favorite phrases, and I've kind of explained a little bit what embrace the awkward means. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start a sermon series where we talk about embracing the awkward. And at the same time as we embrace the awkward, we're also going to be talking about getting out of our comfort zones. I talk about comfort zones a lot within Chi Alpha because I think as college students it's the one thing that challenges us the most, challenges you guys the most, is getting out of your comfort zone. Because this is a time in your life where if I'm being practical, not practical, if I'm just being blunt with you guys, this is a time in your life where a lot of things are a lot easier than they will be when you graduate. Such as sharing the gospel, finding friends. Like when you graduate, I'm sorry to tell you, like finding friends is 15,000 times harder after you graduate college than it will be in college. Some of these things are a little easier in college. And so um, we want to work on as college students and as Christians in college of getting out of our comfort zone. So I know most of you guys, I've had conversations with you, a lot of you guys about preaching and how much I love preaching. I really do. I absolutely love preaching. I love the art of preaching. I love studying what makes preachers good preachers and what makes good speakers good speakers. I've actually looked into some preachers that are regarded as some of the best communicators that exist in this century as they're considered top five communicators, even outside of the Christian world, go in and I like to study what makes them good communicators because I want to be a good communicator as well. I really do genuinely enjoy writing sermons learning the material and then preaching it's honestly one of my passions and some sermons they they, each one is different and one sermon i'll come in and it's kind of like a marathon where it takes me 20 hours to get it on paper and to get it to a point where i feel like i haven't memorized enough that i can stand up and comfortably share the truths that are in it other sermons are like a sprint like this like seriously some sermons I'll go down and I'll start writing and I'll get done in two hours and I'll come back up and I'll, Cordy's like, what are you doing? Taking a break? Like, oh no, I'm done writing it already. And normally what would take me days took me a few hours and I already have the material down well enough that I can pretty much preach it right then and there. Each sermon has its own little identity. And while I'm writing the sermon, while I'm studying the sermon, and as I'm studying the material, all of the material is different as well. And even sometimes I'll go over sermons where I already wrote them and I go through and I just want to rewrite them. And so I'm just kind of studying the material and writing it and and critiquing it and and changing it and tweaking it just a little bit. But even in that process, I'm still learning the material in a new way and in a new light. It's definitely one of my passions and even just probably I hope that you can feel how much I appreciate sermons and sermon writing and speaking and all of that tonight. And I hope that throughout this semester, you know, you guys can appreciate that I like preaching. But me and public speaking haven't always had this kind of a relationship. In fact, I can actually look back to the very first time that I ever had to speak publicly. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was in high school. And uh, we had to read the book, um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And then we had to have a five-minute presentation of something in the book. And it could be anything. We could do whatever we wanted to do, and just we just had to present something from the book. And so I had the idea of going through and um, creating, because in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, lobotomies are a pretty big theme within it. So I decided I was going to model a human head. And then model a brain inside and perform a lobotomy in front of the students as my presentation. And so I had this well-written, perfectly rehearsed thing. And I stand up to go speak, and I literally forget half the notes. I'm like panic sweating. Like You guys know what it's like when you like panic sweat and it stinks a little bit because it smells different because you're sweating because you're nervous rather than... You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, because if you don't, then i'm jealous because bro nervous sweat is something else but like i just froze and i couldn't remember anything and i was miserable and literally like one of if not the worst experience in my life i absolutely hated it and at that moment i decided i was absolutely never going to public speak again well my teacher came up to me and told me that it was one of the best presentations she's heard in high school My time allotment was perfect. So apparently me forgetting half the material was actually good. And as you guys have come to Kai Alpha, you know that I think I have a 20-minute sermon and it lasts 40 minutes quite frequently. But it was beneficial for me. And so she asked me, it was also my speech teacher, asked if I wanted to join speech. And I literally laughed in her face because I was like, yeah, no. And I told her that the reason I didn't want to do it was because I was a four-sport athlete, that I had too much time committed to sports and I didn't have enough time to, to commit to speech. But in reality, I was absolutely terrified. I was phobic of public speaking to the point where I didn't do it again until I got into college. And in college, in order to be a psychology major at the time where I was when I was studying, you had to take a public speaking class. And so I took this public speaking class and I was absolutely terrified and mortified. I was miserable. And so I was taking this class. Um, I actually remember the, the speech I gave. I, I'm, I was good at crafting the speech, but when it came to delivering it, just my mind would go blank and I'd be miserable the entire time. And so I gave this speech over one of my cousins who has Down syndrome. And uh, I literally look up and half the class is like bawling the teacher stands up. I literally got a standing ovation and I'm miserable the entire time I'm speaking. And the teacher comes up to me and says that it was one of, if not the best she, speech she had ever had in her class. And I'm not saying those things to, to humble brag on myself, but I'm saying those things to say that I was gifted. It was clear that I was gifted in speaking, but I absolutely wanted nothing to do with it. And so after that, I still had committed to never doing public speaking. I was absolutely still terrified it. I wanted nothing to do with it. Now fast forward a little bit to this last April and I was at a pastors conference where there's literally hundreds, hundreds of my peers who are also fellow pastors who also appreciate preaching, who have honed their craft, and I look up to 75% of them as people who I can learn from in order to speak. Our state superintendent decided he wanted to play a game in order to break the ice and to test the voting system of the conference. And so he calls on me and the UNO Chi Alpha Director to come up and he forced us to, he, he politely forced us to present a sermon on the spot. It had to be a five-minute sermon, but the, the, the kicker about it was he created the slides ahead of time, and he was going to give us the title of the sermon as we grabbed the mic in order to preach it. So we literally had to give this sermon to literally hundreds of our peers. So could you imagine something you're passionate about or that you're you know, passionate about, that you enjoy, but then you have to stand up and perform it on the spot, in front of hundreds of people who know more about it than you could ever even dream of at times. And so I actually looked at that with excitement, and I was actually excited to do it. I hopped up and I gave a five-minute sermon, I had a lot of fun, I won just because I know you guys are wondering, I destroyed the UNO Chi Alpha Director, took home 80% of the votes, slam dunk, destroyed him, he went home crying, and I shoved it in his face. No, I'm just kidding. No, I literally, I talk crap about it all the time to him. So when we have uh, a retreat in the fall or in the spring with UNO, I want you guys to bring it up to him just because uh, I love it. But anyway, to get from the point where I was phobic to that point where I enjoyed this situation and I, I actually, dude, I would do it again. Like I loved it. It was a lot of fun and I would totally do it again if I could. So how do you get from phobic of speaking to the point where you can speak in front of your peers and actually enjoy it. There's not just an on-off switch. There wasn't just an on-off switch. For me, it was something that I had to wrestle with because when God called me to be a pastor, it was something that I had to face. I realized very quickly that if I was going to be a pastor, I was going to have to speak publicly. It's just something you have to do as a pastor. And so when I realized that I had to speak publicly, I realized this was going to be a process that I needed to go through. This is something that I need to intentionally walk out. I needed to intentionally grow in. And so when it comes down to it, when we look at our comfort zones, the reason that there are comfort zones is because they're comfortable. I mean, it's common sense, but like, let's look at it for a second. Your comfort zones are called comfort zones because they're comfortable. They're areas of your sphere of influence in which you are comfortable. In order to grow as Christians, in order to grow as human beings, we have to psychologically, even taking the the God out of the equation, just approaching it from a psychology standpoint, in order for us to mature and to grow into who we want to be, we have to constantly be addressing our comfort zones and intentionally growing past them and learning past them. Now, if we add God in the equation, it's the same thing. God is going to challenge us. As you walk out your relationship with God, if, if you're listening to God and you're spending time with God, I guarantee He is going to challenge you in your comfort zones. But the thing about our comfort zones is that if we stay in them, if we stay in our comfort zones, we might miss out on the very things that God is calling us to. If I chose to stay in the comfort zone of being phobic of preaching, phobic of public speaking, I would be missing out on a job. I wouldn't be a Chi Alpha director. I wouldn't be a pastor. But at the same time, I would also be missing something that I'm very passionate about now. I love public speaking now. I look forward to it. I don't, I'm not intimidated by it. I really genuinely enjoy it now. This would be something that would be completely missing from my life had I not been willing to challenge my own comfort zone. And so that's really what we're going into when I talk about embracing the awkward. Because public speaking, even as somebody who enjoys it, as somebody who looks forward to it, it can still be awkward. It can be awkward when somebody falls asleep during the middle of one of your sermons It can be awkward when people are being distracting it can be awkward when people are talking it can be awkward there's so many things that make public speaking harder and make it more awkward but we have to embrace those things in order to get past them and so tonight we want to talk a little bit about prayer and i want us to get out of our comfort zones when it comes to prayer because prayer if i would say there is one thing that is more important than just about anything else when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, prayer is number one, outside of having a relationship with Jesus first. Prayer is so significant and it is so important to our walk with God. And so tonight I want us to kind of get out of our comfort zone a little bit when it comes to prayer. But beyond tonight, I want you guys To even just recognize, because I'm not going to preach a long sermon tonight. I want you guys to recognize that there are ways, I don't care, there are ways you can get out of your comfort zone when it comes to prayer. There's not a single one of us here. I would say Matt probably has the best prayer life out of everybody in this room. And there is a lot of things that Matt can get out of his comfort zone with when it comes to prayer as well. And he's nodding his head yes because he agrees with me. So the first step of getting out of our comfort zone is recognizing when we are in our comfort zone the second step of 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 getting out of our comfort zone is recognizing where our comfort zone extends to and we'll get more into our comfort zone and the psychology behind comfort zones um, but for tonight for the sake of time i just want to focus on prayer just so that i'm not keeping you guys a really long time and so um As we kind of dive into prayer, I want to look at the few different examples of prayer within Scripture. The reason I want to look at the different ways that Scripture talks about prayer is because I want you guys to kind of assess and ask yourself, is this a part of my relationship with God that's active? Each one of these individual things, I want you to ask, is this a part of my prayer life that is active? And so prayer kind of encompasses a lot. So <clears throat> Matthew 6 goes into and actually dives into, we're not going to focus on Matthew 6 tonight, maybe another time, another place. The amount of time it takes to break down Matthew 6 takes more time than we have tonight. But Matthew 6, if you guys are very unfamiliar with praying and you don't know how to pray to God, and maybe this is something that's new to you, maybe you've you know you, it's just something that you struggle with, Matthew 6 breaks down the Lord's Prayer, and it's how Jesus tells us how we should pray and i want to encourage you guys um if if prayer is something that you're you just kind of as you assess you kind of go you know what i'm kind of on the the bottom bare level of prayer go through matthew 6 look at how jesus explains us to pray and uh and kind of dive into that because it's pretty self-explanatory as to what he's saying and and get a good study bible and it'll explain it to you but i just wanted to focus on that for a second just to recommend it but we're not going to break into that and so, looking at the definition of prayer, prayer is defined as a request to God, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary. It's not often that I disagree with a definition of a word, but I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly disagree with Merriam-Webster's definition of prayer because I feel like prayer encompasses a lot more than just making requests to God. And in fact, biblically, Uh, prayer encompasses a lot more than just making requests to God. And in fact, when you look at Matthew 6, Jesus breaks down how to pray and 90% of the prayer is not asking things from God. 90% of the prayer is encompassing all the rest of these areas. And so we're just going to kind of rapid fire look at the different examples of prayer just so we can kind of define them so we can move forward. So the first one that we're going to look at is Hebrews 13:15. If you want to turn to it in your Bible, you can, otherwise it will be on the screen. And it says, "Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the first of lips that acknowledge his name." This is where we worship God with our prayers. So what it sounds like within scripture is something like, "God, you're so amazing. You're so worthy. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord." That's what this prayer looks like. That is the prayer of worship. The second prayer is the prayer of thanksgiving, which takes place in Psalms 100. And it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So this form of prayer is kind of self-explanatory, but the prayer of thanksgiving is thanking God for what we have. Jesus makes it very clear that this needs to be a part of our prayer life in Matthew 6, just simply thanking God for what we have. But not only thanking God for what we have, taking a step back and assessing what we have. Because if we as Christians aren't assessing what we have, we're kind of missing a big picture because we have a lot more than we think we do. Especially, I tell you, as American Christians, like we're the wealthiest country in the world and our citizens are light years above where so many other Christians worldwide are as far as things that we have that others don't. And so there's a lot that we can be thankful for, even families that come from, from rough childhoods, rough, rough situations. I mean, I shared a little bit last week, but I came from a rough upbringing and there's still so many things when I first <coughs> came my life to Christ all the way till now, bless you, that I can be thanking God for. So prayer of thanksgiving, thanking God for the things we have. The next one is the prayer of faith, which takes place in James 5, 13 through 16. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of faith. This one is probably the one that gets covered the most within Christianity. And so we're not going to focus a lot on this, but I do think it is important. Um, The next form of prayer that we're going to go into is the prayer of intercession. And this is the one I really want to highlight tonight and I want to focus on tonight. The prayer of intercession is basically the act of praying on behalf of somebody else, interceding for them is kind of the verbiage that we use. It's praying for the well-being of others. It's standing in the gap. It's, It's laying hands on praying for healing for people. It's that intercessory prayer where we step in and pray where they might be lacking. And this is a pretty powerful thing because there's a lot of different examples of this. But one of the biggest is probably in Daniel 9 where Daniel goes to the Lord and intercedes on behalf of his people and God grants his prayer. And so if Daniel can go in and intercede on behalf of his entire people, then us as Christians, we can intercede for a one or two regularly. I always kind of refer to intercessory prayer as epic prayer. Because I feel like intercessory prayer is where everything else kind of focuses on me. Prayer of thanksgiving, I'm thanking God for me. Prayer of even worshiping God is I'm thanking God and I'm I'm showing God reverence for who he is in relation to me more often than not. Um, Prayer of faith is focusing on myself. Intercessory prayer is the one form of prayer where we do not benefit from the prayer. It doesn't help me if Jack gets better at playing pool, but I can pray for him to get better because he is horrible at it. I watched him for like 40 minutes. What's that say about him? Pray for him. I will. But if I pray for Jack, I know this is a stupid example, but it's supposed to be stupid. If I pray for Jack to get better at pool, how does that benefit me in any way, shape, or form? I know that's absolutely stupid, but... Praying for other people, interceding, it's it's when in true intercessory prayer is prayer that is not gonna benefit me. It's not gonna benefit me in any way, shape, or form. And the reason I, I call it epic prayer is because it's when we get past our own needs and we start to look at other people and their needs. And I think that if we're not intercessors as Christians, and if we're not an intercessory group as Shattering State Chi Alpha we are absolutely missing the mark of what Jesus is trying to accomplish in our lives. If we're stuck not interceding for other people, if we're not thinking of other people, we've missed the mark of what Jesus has called us to. We have absolutely missed the mark. It is so important. And so we're going to focus a little bit on intercessory prayer, but... To continue with the other forms of prayer, there's also corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is when you pray over Chi Alpha. You pray over your small group. You pray in a corporate setting. You pray in a group setting, so a public setting. So you're the one praying over it. Um, And then the last that we're going to focus on is just prayer in the Holy Spirit. Biblically, this is when the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. It's when we don't know what to pray and how to pray, and the Holy Spirit kind of jumps in on our behalf. And then there's prayer for healing, which, like we said, is kind of underneath the intercessory prayer where we lay hands and pray for someone to be healed. <clears throat> we were talking about prayer at small group last night. And this isn't in my notes. I'm going off on a little bit rabbit trail. We were talking about prayer last night. And I think prayer is an area where I want to be stretched beyond where I'm at. It's probably the one area of my faith that I'm constantly asking God to stretch me beyond because I have seen some cool things that God has done because of prayer. So we used to have this um, event once per per week that uh, we called The Well, where we just kind of practiced ministry. It was on Friday nights. We'd get together and anybody could come in and we'd focus on different aspects of our walk with god and um, one of the ways in which we would do it is there'd be some nights where we worship there'd be some nights we prayed there'd be some nights where we just you know dove into scripture it wasn't like a bible study by any means but it also wasn't like a prayer night because we didn't always spend the entire night praying but One night, we really just felt like we were supposed to pray for for needs of healing because there were a ton of people who were just had broken bones. Um, There was a girl who had a tumor, a brain tumor. And so we just realized we needed to lay hands and pray for healing. And so at this one single solitary meeting, um, the person who had the broken broken foot had just broke it, had just got x-rays done. We prayed for him. He said he could feel it being healed. He took his cast off. I told him not to. I begged him not to. He took his cast off, started running and jumping around, was completely healed. He went back to the doctor later that week, got an x-ray, and confirmed that his bone had completely healed. The woman with the brain tumor, we prayed. She said she could feel it get better. Her vision started to get better, and when she went in to go in for surgery, they took an MRI or whatever and did the brain scan, and the tumor was completely gone. All of this took place at one single solitary prayer night where we decided to pray for people's healing or pray healing for people. It's cool things like that that can happen if we get out of our comfort zones and pray for people. Miracles can start to happen when we pray for people. And so, again, I think prayer is an area where we all need to get out of our comfort zones. And so, um, my prayer—something I've been praying for a long time for Shattered State Alpha—is that we will be known as a ministry that prays. That doesn't mean that we get out and we just walk around campus and be awkward, but maybe it does. Maybe it means that when people are hurt, we are quick to lay hands. Maybe it means that we can get out of our comfort zones a little bit and maybe pray for people right then and there on the spot when they ask for prayer. Maybe it's us interceding on behalf of even the other ministries on campus. Maybe it's us interceding on behalf of our family members, us interceding on behalf of each other, things that we're going through. I want to see us get better at praying. And the reason I want to see us get better at praying, maybe is a little bit of a selfish reason, but really I just want to see it happen, is when I look at and I study revivals of history, So the historical revivals that have occurred, there's tons and tons of revivals that have occurred. I've never seen a single solitary revival occur because somebody preached a good sermon. And I talked about, I love preaching. And if this comes from my mouth, it tells you that I really mean this. I absolutely love preaching. But there has never been a single solitary revival that has happened because of a sermon. There's never been a single solitary revival that has occurred because of a church service. There's never been a single solitary revival that has occurred from any other means than a group of believers got together and prayed. Every revival of history... Every single one, you can go back, you can study it. I encourage you to look it up. Every revival of history has started when a group of believers got together and prayed. And that's it. That alone, I feel like, shows the importance of prayer. And so for tonight, just for the sake of, I want to get out of the way. I love preaching sermons and I could preach at you and I could convince you how many ways you need to, to pray and I can convince you of the importance of prayer. I could come up with some funny stories where you guys are laughing at it, I can do all of this stuff. But really, what benefit is talking about praying when we can just practice? And so for the rest of tonight, we're gonna get together. I want the guys on that side of the room, the girls can get on this side of the room, and we're going to practice praying. We're gonna get together. And we're gonna pray and so I want you to get out of your comfort zone so you guys can go ahead and start moving seats get over to where you need to get to I just ask you to not move the tables because I don't want to get in trouble because this is set up for something in the morning okay so now that you guys are separated by guys and girls Find somebody that you don't really talk to regularly and we're gonna pair off one-on-one So go ahead pick somebody you don't maybe you don't really know very well go ahead and pick somebody (laughs) And then you you guys can be a group of three yeah, the, this guy, these guys can be a group of three. That's fine. If you got an odd person out, pick a group of three. Pick the person that would make you the most uncomfortable to pray with. Let's just get out of our comfort zone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'll explain. it. You, does everybody have partners? Everybody good? Okay. Good question. So what we're going to do is each of you is going to take three to five minutes. You're going to communicate a prayer need, and the other person is going to pray for you. It's that simple. And then after three to five minutes, you're going to switch, and the other person's going to go, and you're going to pray out loud Don't be, don't be, unless it's like personal. If it's personal, you guys can go and find a different spot that's a little away from people. But pray out loud. Pray for each other. Lay hands on each other and pray for them. Okay? Okay. Three to five minutes. Go. Make it awkward. Embrace the awkward, guys. Embrace the awkward. This is literally, I know it's awkward. I know it's awkward. Embrace the awkward. All right. If you guys would get your seats put back to where they go. Okay, we're going to close kind of quickly because I just want to respect your guys' time. Um, but one of the things, one of the key facets about prayer and how we can get better at praying is to be vulnerable. The second thing is to be intentional. I know I've been talking about intentionality a lot this year, but I really feel like it's kind of our theme for the year is intentionality, being intentional. With our walk with Christ, being intentional with our advancement within even our degree and our studies and our, our sport, being intentional and having intentional growth, it's important for us. And so I want to be intentional and growing in prayer. And part of the way we get, uh, or the part of the way that we can be intentional and growing in prayer is when you have prayer needs, reach out to somebody. Don't just pray on your own, don't just, don't just fight this fight on your own. We're in this battle together. We're in this war together. We're in this life together. We're in this school together. We're in this room together. We're in this ministry together. We're together. We have these things. We can be fighting for each other. And the burden and the load is so much lighter if we work together and pray for each other and, and reach out to each other and share our needs with each other. And at the same time, a lot of times what happens is, and I don't know if, if this was you guys. You guys cannot in agreement, but a lot of times the very thing that we're reaching out to ask for prayer is the exact same thing that other people are struggling with too. A lot of times our prayer needs are very similar to the prayer needs of the person right next to us. And so it's kind of cool being able to even just recognize that we're not alone in that prayer need. We're not stuck in that prayer need. And so I just want to encourage you guys, be intentional, be vulnerable, and intentionally embrace the awkward. And yes, embrace is spelled wrong. And we're embracing that awkward. How many people did that annoy? Me. All right. So now it is your job to embrace the awkward. But for real, I just want you guys to know, I really do appreciate each and every single one of you guys. I appreciate you guys sacrificing time to be here tonight. I appreciate you guys intentionally coming to, to, to grow. I mean, even if you're just checking us out, even if you're just coming for for a couple weeks, the fact is you came and you want to grow in your walk with Christ. You want to grow in your abilities as a human being. And I just, I love that. I love when college kids eagerly seek out growth. And so I want to encourage you that continue to grow, continue seeking growth. And when four years come to pass or when you guys graduate, I know some of you guys are upperclassmen, when you guys graduate and you look back on these years in college, If you're intentional with it, you'll look back and you'll realize that those four years, those five years, and some of you guys are going to be super-duper seniors in seven years, that those years were some of the most formative years of your life, and you made the most strides and the most growth during those years. But it takes intentionality and it takes um, vulnerability with each other. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for these students. We thank you for each and every one of them for getting out of their comfort zones, and even just coming to service tonight. I know some of these guys who would be much better suited, they think it would be better suited to be back in their dorm room and studying or um, focusing on other things. And so, Lord, I just pray that their time that they dedicated to come tonight would not return void. I pray that um, for those guys who are studying for finals and midterms, that the rest of this evening, the rest of this week, that you would just give them abundant time to study, that you would give them the ability to focus on what they need to focus on and guide their studies so that they're studying the right material so that when they go take the test man they pick the right things to study exactly i pray that you would guide each and every single one of them i pray for safety as people travel home for break and uh lord we give over to you the, every single one of us lord we love you and we thank you and sing in your name we pray amen